From 1944 to 1945, the 52nd Lowland Division is fighting its way across Northwest Europe. The writing is on the wall, but it's also on the page. The Army Education Branch sends a newsletter out to thousands of men, all pulling together, pushing the enemy back. This newsletter is called The Lowlander. Christmas, Andy. Frohe Weihnachten, Meryn. <laughs> Hi, Liga something. Happy Christmas. And hello, loyal listener to The Lowlander. Happy Christmas to you too, as we're going to dive straight into this issue and the issues concerning the men of the 52nd Lowland Division on the 25th of December, 1944. Yes, but let's do something different today. We usually start by looking at what's going on elsewhere in the war, but mm. today I think we should get going, rip the wrapping off, pull the cracker. 25th of December 1944. Although, to be honest, this should be titled 17th of December 1944. I think we should have a listen to Field Marshal Bernard Law Montgomery, First Vice Count Montgomery of Alamein, KG, GCB, DSA, PC, and DL, etc. Because he did deliver a message to the troops today. He did, yeah, and he would have appreciated you including his full rank titles. <laughs> I think you would. And I'm pretty sure we've got a recording of Ike as well, who was giving a rec- who gave the same similar kind of message to a group of servicemen standing in the middle of a field. In fact, I think we've probably got images, um, video imagery of both. We'll put that on Twitter. We have, yeah. The forces of the British Empire in Western Europe spend Christmas 1944 in the field. But what a change has come over the scene since last Christmas. The Supreme Battle of Normandy carried with it the liberation of France and Belgium. Last Christmas we were in England, expectant and full of hope. This Christmas we are fighting in Germany. Merrin. The conquest of Germany... Mm. He seems to be going on a little bit. Mm. i tell you what, let's have a look at where the 52nd Lowland Division was and what they were up to on the 25th of December 1944. Well, uh, they're exactly the same place as they were for the last week or so. Oh. They're at the bottom of the road. Tri- I know, no Christmas surprises. They're at the bottom of the road triangle, and they basically, they're in the line um, running from Sittard in the Netherlands all the way through to just north of Garlenkirchen in Germany. Uh, mm-hmm. And we'll post a picture of where that is. Uh, we've got two brigades up. What that means is two brigades of the 52nd Lowland Division are actually dug in into the line. Mm-hmm. overlooking um, German villages. They're based around places like Brunsum, Klintzrath, Tripsrat, um, Teverin, Schemingen, uh, all these little villages and towns along the bottom of the Roar Triangle. Uh, one of the brigades, 156 Brigade, is actually back in reserve, and that's mm-hmm. around Teverin and Brunsum. So they're actually going to have a proper Christmas. Um, but 155 and 157 Brigade are actually dug in the line, and they're actually fully operational. Some of them are really far out, in small individual slip trenches over Christmas Day. And this is just a kind of sort of surge east and then curving round north, isn't it, as we go into the new year? Yeah, exactly. And and, and obviously, as we mentioned uh, in the episode last week, they're going to be around here until the middle of January. So how, should we have a look at what they're reading? Because they do get a special edition, don't they, on Christmas Day? Yes, lucky them. 
bearing in mind that there was an edition on the 24th and there will be one tomorrow, as it were, on the 26th, the Lowlander for Christmas Day is just one-sided. It is quite unusual for them. Yeah, it's we, we've got um, a little bit of extra lettering at the top. Uh, Happy Xmas. I don't like Xmas. Happy Christmas to all our readers. Blast the Bosch. And then we've got two short columns, greetings from Scotland, always nice to see, and uh, news headlines from all over everywhere. And then we've got a, a wee thought for the day that we'll come to later on. But right in the middle, we have a picture, a cartoon, and it's of a man. And would you like to describe who it is we're looking at, please, here? Well, we don't know who it is, but it is your archetypal jock in the winter of 1944-1945. Mm. It's a pretty good drawing, actually, for the Lowlander, based on some of their other efforts. <laughs> um, he's got his battle dress on, he's got his putty, uh, sorry, his gaiters and his boots, and he's also got the infamous 52nd Lowland Division windproof smock, which came in very handy over the Christmas period, because it had a, a hood which you could pull right down over your face. And he's wearing his tam o'shanter, he's got his 38 pattern webbing to keep all his equipment in, and he's got a rifle slung over his shoulder. Brilliant. And at the bottom of the page, we have one, two, three, four, five, six, six wee, wee little illustrations. There's a, a figgy pudding, we have some crackers, a tiny turkey, there's a bowl of what looks like fruit, I think, there's a cake with some candles on top, and that is very definitely a bottle of Johnny Walker's, isn't it? Definitely, yeah. Jingly ping. Jing- <laughs> Jingle, Jingle ping. Jingle ping. <laughs> 25th of December, 1944. Battalion War Diaries. Do you want to have a, um, a quick look or, or tell us what a war diary looks like, by the way? Well, in many ways, this is why we're reading out the Lowlander, because um, every unit in the army, and I say from a, from about a battalion upwards, there were sometimes companies and squadrons. Mm. They had a responsibility to write a diary entry of everything that the battalion had done that day yep. uh, throughout the war. So when they were in the UK before they came over, and also once they were in Northwest Europe or Burma or the desert, wherever it may be, each battalion would have to, to log down those key events. And it was done on a form called Army Form C2118. Um, and that's the War Diary and Intelligence Summary. And it was the responsibility of the commanding officer, so the, the, the Lieutenant Colonel or sometimes the Major, if it was a squadron or a company, mm. to log that down and then sign off that week's worth of War Diary entries. It was actually normally filled out by the Battalion Intelligence Officer, normally a captain. What they would do is they would be across all of the activities within the battalion, so they'd have the reports coming in from the companies mm. um, and also from the brigade or the division. And they would literally write down the things that had happened. Now, some war diaries are terrible and you have one sentence for an action that took all day and lots of people were killed and lots of things happened. And then on the other side of it, a a battalion like the 1st Battalion of the Glasgow Highlanders, they write about nine pages for one action. Um, And and the the variance of uh, detail and information is absolutely astonishing. Some of it's got humour, some of it is very dry. Some of it is quite sad and quite hard to read, and some of the things where an officer has died and they mention them, you know, it can be quite hard hitting. And also, mm. they also have appendices, so they can attach documents that were um, provided that day. So, for example, uh, in the Six HLI War Diary, they kept every copy of the Lowlander. Mm. And the best thing about War Diaries, and me and you know this, is they often keep their maps from the yes. time and it's absolutely there's nothing better than opening up a war diary in the national archives and there's a map used by the battalion that you're reading about 
there is nothing better, not even a cup of tea. Now, at the top left-hand corner of every um, individual sheet, and by the way, they're, they're usually one-sided. I, yeah. I think I'm right in saying they're always one-sided. Yeah, they are, yeah. Um, at the top left-hand side of each one of these sheets, it states, instructions regarding war diaries and intelligence summaries are contained in FS Regs Volume 1 and the Staff Manual, respectively. Title pages will be prepared in the manuscript. And, and that doesn't actually um, give us a... a day-to-day reminder of what's supposed to go onto each sheet but the 25th of December 1944 does give us a really good example of how different people approached filling in the form and also of course what was going on so shall we go through every battalion in the area in the region that was moving eastwards across the Ruhr Triangle Ruhr Triangle however you want me to say it today for the 17th time it's the Ruhr Triangle not the Ruhr Triangle Ruhr Triangle Ruhr yes Ruhr Triangle Yes. It's the raw triangle. Raw as triangle. opposed to the well raw done. triangle. As the well done triangle. Right. Um, and very specifically, these are the infantry battalions. We we haven't got the war diaries for all of the units within the 52nd, but we have got them for all of the infantry battalions. Indeed. All right. You start. 25th of December, 1944. 7th Battalion, the Cameronians. Teverin. Battalion enjoyed an excellent Christmas dinner, and all ranks were in the highest spirits. The commanding officer visited all companies at their dinners, and wished all ranks the compliments of the season. 25th of December, 1944, 5th Battalion, King's Own Scottish Borderers. Hastenrath and Vintelen, heavily mortared. 25th of December, 1944, 4th 5th Battalion, Royal Scots Services were held in company areas. Personal Christmas messages were received from Colonel in Command and Brigade Commander. The commanding officer visited all companies during the Christmas dinner. Comforts and gifts received, which were issued to the troops. Also beer and cigars, which were also issued to the troops. Cigars. (laughs) 25th of December, 1944. 6th, Lanarkshire. Battalion, the Cameronians, Scottish Wifels. Christmas Day, dinner's held in Bwansom, a great success. <laughs> Is that the ghost of Monty past? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm going to try and do my best Morningside Edinburgh accent for the Royal Scots. Oh, excellent, excellent. 25th of December, 1944. Seventh night, don't laugh. <laughs> This is my best Edinburgh accent, okay. 25th of December 1944, the 7th Battalion, the Royal Scots. CNC message to all troops, Appendix F, SITREP, nothing to report, regrouping. D Company relieve C Company, left forward. A Company relieve B Company, right forward. I can't do a, a, a Ouija accent as you will. No, you can't do a Ouija. No, don't do Ouija. You'll just, you'll not, just piss him off. <laughs> I'm not allowed to do Ouija accents. Okay, right. Here's the here's the next one. 25th. In fact, it's not the 25th of December. It's 24th. It's 24th. 24th of December, 1944. 1st Battalion, Glasgow Highlanders. 2359. Christmas Eve has passed quietly. All companies settling into their new positions. Only reminder of the season was when the padre and medical officer, with one violin and a small party, went round the cellars of Richten singing Christmas carols, 
but even these had to be sung in soft tones. It was a cold, clear night with keen frost. 25th. CO visited C and D Company's localities in Dorset Wood. 13 Command 157 Inf Brigade visited Battalion HQ. 14.30. CO visited B Company in Carrier Platoon in Tripsrath. 17.30. Enemy seen on Crest of Hill 874682. 2100. Some mortaring of D, B and Battalion HQ during the afternoon. Nothing further of interest during the day. 2200. Recce patrol from Tripsrath fired on from area Königshof. Enemy working party reported in area 867686. 26th of December, 1.25am. Three-inch mortar platoon engaged following targets in succession. Enemy mortars position suspected area 857689. Enemy machine gun position lip of finger wood 857683. Königshof. One building of this group was set on fire by phosphorus bombs and burned fiercely throughout the night. So we've got 24 hours there. We've got 24 hours going through from midnight on the 24th mm. right the way through to the 26th and just how fast things can change from the Christmas carols being sung mm. quietly um, with the Padre and, and the MO going around with, with a violin yeah. um, <laughs> to... <laughs> to to full on um trips wrath firing on uh, or from Königshof and then um the the positions for enemy mortars and enemy machine guns on Fingerwood yeah and these are all the areas that the um the 4th battalion of kings and scottish borders with peter white who's the author of with the jocks would actually eventually take over so trips rat and all the rest of it but you've got a good example there of the different levels of information that the war diaries provide we've absolutely. got we've got 5 KOSB who write one sentence for an entire week mm. um and then you have the glasgow highlanders and actually this one it's really good sometimes it can get a bit tiring reading their war diaries if one is there's too much information but this is a really good indication of that 24 hours uh, the eagle eared amongst you will notice that we didn't mention the fifth battalion highland infantry um mm. because uh they just didn't bother mentioning the 25th of december <laughs> <laughs> they've got the 24th and the 26th but they obviously weren't doing anything the other battalion we haven't mentioned is the fourth battalion kosb well yeah i i thought we would do this one last because um they've got quite an interesting uh christmas eve and christmas day and in fact it's kind of reminiscent of perhaps some of the First World War or some of the ideas we have of the First World War Christmases on the front line with the trenches. Mm. So if we go in to read that and then maybe we can have a little chat about it at the end. Okay. 24th of December, 1944. Gilrat, 4th Battalion, King's Own Scottish Borders. 0030 hours. D Company confident in map spotting enemy mortars. Probably four at eight zero nine six nine eight. This backed up by C Company. Some mountain battery stonked to position. No more mortaring during the night. Zero one forty five hours. Harassing mortar fire on A Company. A few shells every five minutes. Continued until zero four forty hours. Eleven ten hours. Warning recorded that enemy bombers heading our way. Nothing actually seen of them. 1200 hours. Commander 52nd Division and Commander 155 Brigade visited headquarters. 1250 hours. OC anti-tank platoon handed in Bosch identity disc found at Kunzrat. 2 Company 137 Erzatz Battalion 
little value. 1330 hours. CO ordered 4.2 mortars to be prepared to engage Langbroich area by nightfall. OP set up in A Company area. 1820 hours. Bosch carols commenced opposite A Company. Hark the Herald Angels sing with cornet accompaniment. 2005 hours. On CO's order, our three inch mortars laid down 60 HE on road Langbroich and Swaldenrath, where troops were heard. 2045 hours. D Company reported details of Bosch carolers opposite them, singing Still in Nacht, Last Post, and cries of Kamerad! 22.15 hours. Heavy Spandau fire from Bergden from approx 813700. 23.15. B Company reported fierce duel between one Spandau and four others. Our own artillery tackled the group of four, and as a result, the enemy brought down 30 mortar HE on their own single Spandau. The feeling in our forward areas was that the Bosch was having too spirited an Xmas Eve. 25th of December 1944, Gilrat, 4th Battalion, the King's Own Scottish Borders. 0100 hours, 10 shells landed in the village of Stance. 0407 hours, possible fire seen by A Company in area. 791702. 0500 hours, A Company shelled from area 808705. CEO ordered retaliation from forward regiment. 0735 hours, our Xmas hate started. 1. 3 inch mortars smoked Langbroich. 2. 4.2 inch mortars 80 HE on 796705. 3. 3 field regiments and medium battery on two selected targets, no enemy reaction. 10.15 hours, Bosch gave A Company miscellaneous programme of gramophone records and cries were heard of, Merry Christmas Tommy, or is it Yank? 14.45 hours, Brigade Liaison Officer called at HQ to collate anti-tank layout with Brigade Anti-Tank Defence Plan. 18.25, fire in Vinsland reported by Brigade to have been accidentally started by 5k OSB. 2030 hours, command post Christmas dinner, the first and last to be celebrated in Germany. Wow. That's quite a lot, isn't it? It's quite a lot. And, and it, you, you're absolutely right. It really does give us the impression of the First World War and the Great War and Tommy's in the trenches and, and, and the Bosch going, Merry Christmas, Tommy, or is it Yank? There was just one thing I wanted to pick out, though, and that was at the end of Christmas Eve. Whoever's writing in the diary has put quotation marks around the word spirited. The feeling in our forward areas was that the Bosch was having too spirited a Christmas Eve. Clearly a reference to the fact that Bosch might be tanking it up. Yeah, and that's quite a common thing. That quite often when they capture German soldiers, they find in the water bottles they have um, schnapps and brandy and things like mm. that. They, they're, they're quite, um, I think a lot of the Germans were drunk a lot of the time. Uh, that said, I, that said, when you get to come up to half past six on Christmas on Christmas Day, the fire in Vindelin reported by brigade is to have been accidentally started by five KOSB. I have an idea. There was a bit of the schnapps going around yeah, on our side as well. I, it might also account why the 25th of December is clear on the 5th Battalion's uh, war diary as well. <laughs> I think it's just, a, it, it's kind of like, it's almost like a cliche that they're out there. I mean, this, just to paint the picture, where the 4th Battalion is, mm. it's it's right out in, a, in an open field um, around some little, tiny little villages. It's not in the woods, it's not in the forest. It is literally open spaces 
the wind blowing in from the east. Mm. There's a little bit of snow, but there's definitely frost in the ground. Um, uh, and over that sort of um, over that landscape, you hear the the Germans singing Stillenacht, which is like it's almost like a cliche of the First World War. And it must have been so weird for the guys who's. I mean, I know for a fact one of the sergeants that ended up in the Fourth Battalion, his father fought in the First World War. That's a guy called Valentine Godfrey. His father was called Valentine Godfrey as well. He was killed at Evan Buren in 1945. But his father was in the First World War. And you think, God, it, it's not that far away from the First World no. War. And they would have known people that would have heard the Germans singing at Christmas time. Um, I also love the attitude they have was, you can sing all you want, but we're just going to batter you with some mortars. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean, you, you picked it up. The, the sentence that stands out for me is our Xmas hate started. They just planned all along on Christmas Day they were going to hit the Germans with everything they had. And and they launch over three-inch mortars, 4.2-inch mortars, uh, three field regiments of artillery and a medium battery on, on the German positions. I mean, it's, you know, happy Christmas, everybody. But this is what has happened. And we must not fail to give the praise and honour where it is due. This was the Lord's doing, and it is marvellous in our it's eyes. still going on. At Christmas time, whether in our homes or fighting in the field. I'll tell you what, we should talk about the fact that um, I know we're doing a podcast and you can't see a podcast, but we will put images up. There are quite a few images, quite a few photographs that were taken um, on December the 25th, 1944 mm -hmm. in this area. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're in the rear area. So they're, they're particularly around, uh, there's a unit called 9 Agro, which is the core artillery for 12 core. Uh, and they're sort of just north of Garlingkirk and just south of Tripsrat. And actually they are providing the medium artillery regiments for the 52nd. So uh, the division itself has 25 pounder regiments, three of them, they are 25 pounder shells. Um, and supporting them, they have medium artillery, which is bigger, 4.5 inch. And, and those guys have actually got pictures in around Christmas. Yeah, the, one of my favourites is Gunner Jack Ward of the 9th Medium Regiment Royal Artillery, who's holding his two geese yeah. up. <laughs> <laughs> that are destined, destined to become Christmas dinner. And that was taken near Geilenkirk and only a week ago, yeah. as it were. But some of the other pictures you'll find in the IWM, and by the way, I think we'll, we'll share our top tip for anybody who's searching IWM images. Go to the browser, go to the URL in your browser bar and just reduce the number at the end. And you'll usually get the preceding photograph in the sequence. We'll add one number on and you'll get the next photograph in the shop. But these were mostly taken by our good friend, Sergeant Midgley of the number five Army Film and Photo Section, Army Film and Photographic Unit. And uh, I'll put these on Twitter. We've got a picture of a 7th Armoured Division lorry being recovered after crashing into an exposed cellar near Sitar, <laughs> which is an absolute corker. And then we've got Rifleman Corker of the 1st Rifle Brigade at Neufstadt, which is just north of Sitard. And he's enjoying his Christmas lunch in a foxhole on Christmas Day. And then we've also got a Universal Carrier and Crew, 1st Rifle Brigade again, 7th Armoured, on patrol near mm. Neustadt, same day. And then we've got a picture of the Royal Artillery Cooks preparing their Christmas dinner near Geilenkirchen, so clearly Midgley's gone for a little ride around. We've got a crew of a Bofors anti-aircraft gun, and you can see the vapour trails in the sky over the Dutch-German border near Brunsum today in 1944. I think the last two on the list are, yeah, Sergeant Sewell, 
First Rifle Brigade, he's adjusting the camouflage on a six-pounder anti-tank gun back at Nerfstadt today. And then uh, in a couple of days' time, we've got a six-pounder anti-tank gun that's dug in just outside Sittard. So there are some indications, I mean, indicators, mm. there are some pictures of what the weather was like. And I can tell you, it was cold. It was damn cold. Yeah, it wasn't very nice. Uh, you'll notice that none of the photographs are of the forward units because the mm. forward uh, battalions are so, so 155 and 157 uh, Brigade, they are so exposed that you just can't get the photo photographers up there. So they are, they do tend to be the artillery, but also. Mm. Uh, the, the Rifle Brigade, which is 7th Armoured Division, they are in reserves because you wouldn't have the, the Armoured Division in the front line at that time. They would be just back, held back to, to respond to any um, any sort of attacks or anything that the Germans mounted. So invariably, they're they're not the forward uh, infantry battalions. I have one quick question. Yep. Rif Rifleman Corker of the 1st Rifle Brigade, is he wearing a pixie suit? Is he wearing a tank overall? Yes. Yes. So yes, he, he would because because he's part of the. So we should mention that the uh, by by sort of late nineteen forty four, the the armored units, the, the the tank crews, get issued this amazing um, pixie suit, which is a, a onesie basically, but it's incredibly warm. <laughs> it's waterproof. Uh, and uh, everybody wants them, uh, and of course, because he's in the in Seventh Armoured Division, even though he's an infantryman, they must have just blagged off. Knowing the infantry, he's probably stolen it off a tanky. Cheeky man, cackety ping, okay. jingly ping, jingly ping, jingle ping. I've asked you men to meet me at this spot today, so that I could be perfectly certain of saying Merry Christmas to one man, one sailor, one soldier, one airman. From each of the United States. Oh God, I ain't started now. Let's get back to the action. Let's have a look at the patrol report you've got there. Twenty fourth to twenty fifth of December, nineteen forty four. Patrol report: Sixth Battalion Highland Light Infantry. Patrol Commander report. Farm base established area 889674 at 241-805. One section plus two inch mortar and 38 set continued to craters area 892677. These craters are definitely prepared in circular positions. Internal dimensions about 12 foot in diameter with elbow rest of about 18 inches and then a parapet about 12 inches high and about 24 inches wide at the base, tapering to 6 inches at the apex. The inside wall is vertical with ice after about 2 foot. Impossible to sound to ascertain full depth as ice is too thick to break silently. On enemy side of crater there is an entrance gap in parapet about 3 foot wide. The most southerly of the craters has what appeared to be two stock mine attachments as per sketch below. The wire appears to be exceptionally thick. Round the two nearer craters are a succession of one-man pits, depth unknown, as thick ice up to two foot. Could not get a good enough field of fire from this position, so withdrew ambush party about 20 yards to small crest. At 19.25 hours, heard talking and movement on the track to our front. Then party of 8 to 10 men appeared from our right. The first six appeared to be in pairs on either side of track, others straggling. Most had arms slung, waited until party was level with crater nearest track, 
than party was well silhouetted against the skyline. Then engaged at about 100 yards, Instead of one Bren alone inflicted four casualties, remainder of party either shot or went to ground very quickly. Two inch mortar then opened fire with HE on track. Between place where enemy engaged and where they were first seen, there was no enemy retaliation or reaction, remained in position until 2100 hours. No further enemy activity. Did not investigate forward on account of possibility of further trip flare etc. Mechanisms prejudicing success of rest of vigil. Gosh. Yeah, happy Christmas. Happy Christmas. Well, shall I describe what's happening there just in case? Because it's, it's written in sort of um, sketchy military terms for a, for a patrol report. I think that'd be a really good idea. Um, so basically, we, we mentioned that while they're holding the line here, they're constantly out patrolling and each battalion has a patrol plan which is commanded by the commanding officer and the intelligence officer. And they have various different objectives when they're patrolling. Some of them are just recce patrols, so they'll go out and they'll recce a particular thing. Uh, some of them are fighting patrols, which this is, so they'll actually go out physically to, to take on the enemy. That could be in an enemy position or like this, which is uh, an ambush. Um, and also they could do there's just a listening patrol, so they could go out and just listen and see what's about. And this is happening all the time. Each battalion will have two or three patrols out a night, one from each company, sometimes one resting. Uh, and that fits into the brigade, brigade uh, patrol plan, which then goes up into the divisional patrol plan. And what that does is it builds a massive picture of what's happening in front of us. We get lots of information from the enemy. And clearly these craters that they'd found were, were being dug by the Germans for some particular reason. Mm. Uh, notice that the, the ice is about two foot thick so if you want to know how cold it is yeah. think about two foot of ice that, that's incredibly quick but obviously they knew that the Germans were coming out so this is what they would do they would have built up this picture and they would have known that the Germans were coming out to do some work on these positions that's why they're waiting in ambush so what they're going to do is they're going to wait for the Germans and this is when you do anything in the military any kind of army stuff you tend to break up patterns and routines because people will exploit it that's yeah. exactly what the 6HLI have done here. They know the Germans are going to come out. They've picked an ambush position, and they're just waiting for them to walk in. And they say they've taken out you know, four in the first burst of the brain gun, and then they hit them with two-inch mortars. Um, and that's the price you pay for doing things, the same things over and over again when you're in the, in the front lines. So the best thing to do to get a safe routine is not to have a routine. Exactly, yes. They are singing the same verses. The old words express. Exactly I think he's nearly. Fi is he nearly finished yet? God, no. I hope so. No, there's more. There's more. There's more. And on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. That is what we are fighting for. That is what we desire. Thought for the day, 25th of December, 1944. And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. Full of grace and truth, St. John. What a thought for the day. John 1.14. Uh, it's it's not really hard to understand, is it? Even you can get this one. Um, yeah, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to work out, who's John? Is John? What, is he one of the apostles or is that John the... I don't, I'm not up on my um, my uh, my Bible study. I'm, I'm sorry, I'm last. Just, just John 1.14 will get you past the vicar, don't worry. Okay, um, fine. 
But it wouldn't be the Lowlander if we didn't try and make a little bit more of it. So I did a little bit of a lateral sweep with this. And if you actually look up and the word became flesh in German, do you know what you get? Uh, oh, I know. F- is flesh? Is that flesh? I, I don't know. Go and tell me. Okay, so what you get is two instances of the phrase being used. The first is on a late 15th century embroidered altarpiece from Germany. And right. the inscription frames a central scene showing the nativity, which is really quite lovely, actually. Yeah. Um, it, it depicts other moments from the life of Christ, the Annunciation and Resurrection. But the focus is on, on the, the, the sacramental site of the altar. The moment at which Christ came into the world, first witnessed by the shepherds, to whom you can see angels bringing the news on the rocky hills in the background. That's mm-hmm. how the blurb goes anyway. So there, so you've got the Germans enshrining that that phrase, and the word became flesh on a piece of embroidery. And then pretty much in the same year, you've got it inscribed, rather enshrined, on a German executioner's sword, dated 1613. <laughs> I kid you not, these these are the only two references I could find and the word became flesh in the German language. Blimey. What we haven't done yet is had a look at what's going on elsewhere in the war around the world. So should we do a quick quick roundup? I'll start. We've got the 6th Army has allegedly captured Palompom and Leyte. Winston Churchill's gone over to Athens to try and stop the fighting. And I think there's a frigate that's been severely damaged by a mine off Ostend. But we have a much better roundup than that on the front of the Lowlander itself, don't we? Well, it wouldn't be an addition of the Lowlander if we didn't read stuff out of the Lowlander. So, yeah, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) News headlines. Turn for the better in Belgium. Official. Record effort by US heavies over 2,000 out. New Russian victory near Budapest. City three quarters surrounded. Athens situation more hopeful. Progress in Burma. And it concludes, unlike newspapers in the UK, the Lowlander will appear on Boxing Day, but it will be confined to news headlines and football results. Well, you can look out to the next episode to hear those football results. And there's one other story from the front page of the Lowlander on Christmas Day. Greetings from Scotland. We have received many expressions of goodwill to the division in the past two months. The following messages are just arrived from one of our correspondents at home and is typical. It has warmed the cockles of our Scots hearts to hear of the division's grand work in Holland. Of course, the fighting has progressed much beyond Valkyrie. But even if we seem far away here, we follow the daily headlines and what's under them with interest and fervour, if not a little anxiety. We know you're somewhere about, so good hunting, lads. Aww. I wonder who that's from. I wonder if it was George Blake. I was just about to say that. I think that might be it, actually. I wouldn't be surprised at all. But let's turn back to what's going on on the home front, because I know we've just had the news from Scotland. But today's newspapers are an absolute revelation. I'll give you some examples. From the Evening Telegraph and Post, the headline reads, Grundstedt's drive is halted. And by the way, there's a smashing map on there, which is absolutely an example of the kind of map that they would have been tracing over to put into the Lowlander. Then from the Civil and Military Gazette, we've got Turn for Better on First Army Front, Allies exerting considerable pressure on German flanks. We've also got the news that Northern England is being V-bombed for the very first time. But I think the daily record actually gives us the best indication of what's going on on the home front, because on the 25th of December, its headlines on the front page read, Mightiest air assault of the war, 10,000 tonnes hit the front supply lines. Last Nazi gamble. Hit 
Hitler by Goebbels. And that refers to a, a very short speech that Goebbels gave about Hitler digging in and, and staying there for the long term. Further down the page, we've got anti-German government formed in Hungary. We've got a reference to the fact that those V-bombs going over the north of England may actually be a feint. And then at the top of the page, underneath a very small advertisement for Lang's gold medal banana rum, we have this. 25th of December 1944. Noted band leader is missing. Major Glenn Miller, the American band leader, is reported missing. The announcement was made on Sunday night during a force's favourite broadcast of records. It's learned that the other members of Glenn Miller's band are all safe. Glenn Miller and his band went to France in the autumn. The 50 musicians in the band are all members of the US forces. And among the requests received for the programme was one for a record by Glenn Miller and his band. And the compere expressed the sorrow that would be felt by Major Miller's admirers over the news. The Moonlight Serenader, as he is known in the States, is one of America's foremost band leaders. It's thought that while he was arranging for a troops concert, he may have been captured. Today, the band will be broadcasting in the AEF Christmas show at 7pm in the home service. It will be conducted by the deputy leader, Sergeant Jerry Gray. So that's sad news today, but on that note, a little musical interlude. Okay, Take it you're then... not doing Jive Bunny. No, I'd thought about... I thought about doing in the mood, but I think it had better be Moonlight Serenade. Moonlight Serenade, uh, yeah, that's a bit more mournful, isn't it? It's a bit more kind of you just sitting there looking over the snowy fields of Triptrat, thinking, tuning into AAF, and you hear Moonlight's. Can you imagine it? God sakes, you'd be in bets, wouldn't you? I think you would. Continue the contest with stout hearts and with determination to conquer. And at this time, I send to each one of you my best wishes and my Christmas greetings. Wherever you may be, fighting in the front line or working on the lines of... I think he's coming up to the end now. He's nearly there. He's nearly there. I wish all of you good luck and a happy 1945. We are all one great team. Together, you and I, we have achieved much. And together, we will see the thing through to the end. Good luck to you all. And finally this Christmas, we go to the Brigade Commander's Christmas message from 156 Infantry Brigade, 52nd Lowland Division, sent to the troops on the 24th of December, 1944. Brigadier C. Barclay. This is not the sort of Christmas we'd like to spend, but with luck we shall have better one next year. I wish to thank all ranks for their splendid efforts during the training at home, and for the fine manner in which they have fought and stood up to the hardships since we came to this country. I hope this will be our last Christmas and New Year at war with Germany, and I wish all ranks the very best Christmas possible and a victorious and successful New Year. That was Barclay there, getting us into the swing of things in his own inimitable way. But why don't we finish with something a little bit more upbeat? Oh, are you suggesting we resurrect the ghosts of Glenn Miller? 
<laughs> I think that would be highly, highly un-PC. But I do think we could do a little bit of swing to say thank you for listening to The Lowlander to date. And it will be a happy Christmas from him. And a Freuwein Nacken from her. And we will leave you with a Christmas medley to get you in the mood, as it were. And a bonus, a little gift from us to you, because tomorrow on Boxing Day, there will be another normal episode of The Lowlander. Jingly ping. Jingly ping. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Lowlander. The Lowlander was written, produced and presented by Andy Aitchison and Merrin Walters. This was a hellish good production.